Okay, we finally had the breakthrough from $38,000. Bitcoin now at $38,614. And it looks like it's going to be a very, very, very strong pump going into the weekend. I'm now more convinced than ever when I look at these bubbles and I look at the amount of green and I look at the amount of green that's, that's on these bubbles. Look at that. FTT, even FTT up 253%. Celestia up 208%. Tau, 232%. What you can see is that we're in a raging bull market. Now, in these raging bull markets, what I think is going to be the last raging bull market for us to make life-changing money in crypto. The most important thing is that you catch the right narrative. And today I've got experts which are going to show us one narrative that we haven't spoken about yet on the show. And when I saw this narrative, let me let me tell you, when I saw this narrative, it absolutely, absolutely, absolutely blew my mind. I've got no doubt that when you see this narrative, it's going to blow your mind and you're going to allocate money to it. So that's what today is about. It's a banter show. Let's go, guys. So yes, when I spoke to the guests before we got onto the onto the Friday banter, they showed me a sector. I'm going to show you the sector. Here it is. Here it is. We're going to talk about the sector because this sector is going to make millionaires in this bull market. I'm actually more bullish about this sector than I am about gaming. And that's really what today is about. Because if you want to make life-changing money in this bull market you need to know which narratives are going to pump. And it's not going to be the same narratives that pumped in the last bull market. How do I know that? Well, I just look at ETH. And ETH hasn't yet started going. It's like one of the best tokens. Why? Because it's not about an ETH narrative, this bull market. So that is what today's about. So listen, if you want to be rich, subscribe to our channel. If you haven't already subscribed to our channel, now's a great time. Um, if you want to be really, 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 really rich, then you have two options. Either you can invest in Fufu coin like everybody else in this office, and that will make you really, really, really rich. Actually, it's not actually a joke. You, you know what Fufu is? Fufu, I think, is like a Chinese like good luck dragon thing where I think if you rub it, it makes you rich. I think that's how it works. I think, I think that's actually how it works. Anyway, the DJs in the office are still playing this token and they're still making money. I'm not telling anyone to invest in a meme coin, but I'm just letting you know what the guys are doing here. Anyway, uh, today we are having a banter um, but and you know that all our banters are actually sponsored by NordVPN. So let's get the formalities out the way. Right now, if you are surfing crypto, you have no excuse to lose your money to a hack. Imagine that you land up making life-changing money in this bull market, but then you lose your crypto to a hack, to a malicious website, to, to the regulators, to the regulators who know your IP address and basically know exactly where you are all the time, to hackers, um, you have no excuse. If, if that's how you land up losing all your money, that's going to be the biggest tragedy. And you can avoid this by getting a VPN. If you get a VPN, you will pay 200, you will pay $2.88. Hold on. So $2.88 a month. Why? Because there's the Christmas special now with NordVPN. So do it today. Sign up today. There is a link below where you can do it. You also support the channel while doing it. When you get the VPN, you also get a secure password manager. So it's like LastPass, but kind of better, I think. Um, so you get that. You get that for sure. Um, you get all these features. Also, 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 you can get Nord threat protections. And I really, really, really suggest that once you're there, you take the threat protection, cost you an extra $3 a month. But that way you are completely protected and you won't lose your money in, you won't lose your money to stupid hacks. Just do it. Just, just go right now. There's a link below. Just go right now and do it. And then we'll start with the show. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Come on, do it. All right, let's get into the alpha of the show today. So we, we are in the 1st of December and November was an unbelievable, unbelievable month for crypto. Here are the numbers for November. You can see that in November, we were up 8.77% and we are already 2.36% up in December. And then after that is 2024. And I think it's going to be a super bullish 2024. And I want to talk to, to Meltem about what December is going to look like and what 2024 is going to look like. So let's get it on. Meltem, how are you, my friend? Hi, Ron. I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. Thank you. So good to see you. I'm, I'm, I see that the bull market ape is out in full force. This is Abe the ape. Uh, he makes an appearance when number go up. And he, funny story about this green wall. Um, back in 2021, you know, when we had the brief bear market of 21, I stayed up all night one night uh, painting this office this green color because I was going on uh, Squawk Box, which is like the morning show on, on CNBC the next morning. 
I said, okay, I've got to summon a bull market. Let's paint this bitch green. <laughs> it's a funny story. The green and Abe the ape go hand in hand. Oh, amazing, amazing. <laughs> so listen, um, are you as excited as we are about 2024? I read this tweet. It says, uh, there's a lot to be excited about. There's the Bitcoin ETF 90% approval odds. We'll talk about that. There's the halving. There's uh, interest rate cuts begin. All the bad actors are out. Uh, maybe even some of the good actors are out. There's a presidential election. Um, Suzu's a free man, as if that makes a difference. But it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like it, the road's clean for a very, very, very strong 2024 for crypto. What do you think? I, I think absolutely, yes. I'm very enthusiastic about the year ahead. And look, um, the a favorite thing I always like to say is history doesn't rhyme, uh, doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, right? Uh, so again, I think what's interesting is in Bitcoin, we see these these cycles. In crypto, we've had a few of these cycles, and uh, I think you know the trend pattern we've seen in prior cycles is is certainly one that uh, I think we'll we'll see again in some fashion. There are a number of different factors this time, but I don't think you know we're far enough down down the road of crypto for things to change dramatically. So I'm excited. I'm trying to catch up on my sleep. I'm trying to like get as much done right now as I can. So that come Q1, Q2, you can just go full beast mode. Okay, so let's go. Let's go into all the different like <laughs> all, all the different um, reasons, and let's just dig into them. I think the biggest yeah. one that is now like a big magnet in crypto is the ETF. So everyone's super excited about yeah. the ETF. Analysts, Bloomberg analysts, giving it a ninety percent chance. Um, how excited are you about the ETF? How big is this thing really? Is this, is this a narrative that crypto Twitter has created as this big narrative? And actually, in reality, it's, a, it's not that big. Like, like walk me through, like, give me a, 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 your opinion on what the ETF does. Uh, and, and is it going to be approved? Or is that also something that we've completely brainwashed ourselves with? Yeah, so let's start with the last one first. Is it going to be approved? I think at this point, right, the SEC is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, this is something I heard recently, which I thought was sort of an apt anecdote, but the Bitcoin ETF has sort of become Gary Gensler's Vietnam, right? Where like, there's no good strategy here on the crypto side. People have just been incredibly frustrated. There's been so much work that's been done by really reputable firms, including BlackRock, by the way, which BlackRock's incredibly close to the Biden administration, right? So like something needs, needs to be done. The ETF seems like a, a low risk sort of way to, to get to that point. Bitcoin, I think when it comes to security versus not a security, Bitcoin very clearly in the views of the SEC, not a security. So to me, a spot Bitcoin ETF just feels very logical. And then lastly, look, the mandate of the SEC is to protect retail investors, you know, a, a, a product that's trading at a premium or a discount that has, you know, quite high fees, like the ones that are that are trading today, um, like these trusts, those are not very friendly to retail investors. So I think, again, the setup in terms of approval is, is very good. There are a lot of big firms with a lot of lobbying power, with a lot of lobbyists on staff who are pushing. And so I'm optimistic about approval. But again, the question, the devil is going to be in the details. We just saw, um, you know, some, some chatter recently about this new change uh, cash create and redeem versus in-kind create and redeem. So I think there are going to be some technicalities to sort out that will take us into like a, a Q1 approval. And I think when the SEC does it, they can't be seen as kingmaking. So they're going to have to approve a group of issuers at, at once and not, you know, cherry pick. Now, the second question to follow on to that is, and, and this is something we at CoinShares love to talk about, where the flow is going to come from. So fun fact, this year, year to date, we've seen 1.3 billion of inflows into crypto products. Those are ETPs, ETFs, trusts, uh, 34 billion in global AUM, majority of that is in Bitcoin. So we've got 34 billion in global AUM in crypto products. Bitcoin today, 750 million, uh, 750 billion-ish market cap. Okay, so if we just think about the broader asset management landscape, right, the broader investment landscape, in my view, the most exciting opportunity in the U.S. is not necessarily just institutional capital. It is retirement assets, and in particular, um, self-directed retirement assets. So in the U.S., a lot of people have their life savings in 401ks, IRAs, these structures where you can hold an asset long term. A lot of people want to hold Bitcoin long term. So to me, that's sort of a perfect match. 
$34 trillion in assets in self-directed retirement accounts, huge pile of money. And so BlackRock itself, 10 trillion in total AUM, like this is a lot of capital we're talking about. Is it all gonna come in the first quarter? No, I think much like this institutional Bitcoin narrative, it's gonna be a bit of a trickle, but that trickle sort of will amount to really large pool of capital over time. So I'm optimistic, look, first year after ETF approval, could we see 500 billion in inflows? Maybe, maybe not. I think something like, 20 to 50 billion very reasonable just given the fact like these large asset managers fidelity blackrock they have huge distribution teams they have connections to all the, the investment advisors they are integrated into back ends of all of these platforms so from an infrastructure perspective right that that underlying plumbing is there so I'm excited I'm optimistic I don't think it's going to happen immediately it's not like ETF approval boom moon but i do think there's going to be a significant amount of demand ah, i see i see alex has joined us alex welcome my friend can you hear us you you can hear me oh we can hear you amazing 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 yeah. so we are recording cool. already so let's go let's go straight into it i just uh, asked melton what she thinks of the etf first of all um whether or it's a hundred percent chance of it being being approved and second of all how much inflows uh we, you think we're going to get as a result of the of the of the etf walk me through your thinking um sure thing or is there still doubt that we may or may not get the ETF? I think is I'm going with consensus, which is 90%. And uh, on, on the number, on the flows, I don't have a number. So uh, having had, I don't have the math here. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say 90%. And actually, it's so it's pretty much cooked. Uh, quite likely, I mean, I would expect continuation and approval um, and all the way at least until the launch. And the one thing is in that 10% bucket, if uh, it's actually quite tradable, and I think everybody should put alerts uh, on the first 10 days of January, it's really important. If there is a rejection, we go in so, so low that it's going to hurt. Okay, so and this we is, so so this low, is what I mean, I, the holes. Yeah, this is so what I was going to ask you. Yeah. I know that markets are designed to inflict max pain on markets participants. Like I've seen it a million times. Right now, you know what this, this, this ETF narrative reminds me of? Of all of us saying Plan B told us that Bitcoin was going to get to $100,000 last cycle. That, that's what this chanting of the Bitcoin ETF reminds me of. And I'm just, my experience tells me that the market is designed to flash out people. And my, my max pain scenario is that the ETF doesn't get approved in January when everyone's expecting the approval. We get a massive dump. And then we get an approval in March. And Melton, you hinted to it by saying there is something about a cash or in-kind settlement that they're talking about at the moment. And maybe somehow they don't resolve the, the, the settlement and the SEC somehow, and I know there's a, a final deadline for the ARK ETF of 10 Jan, but the SEC somehow find a loophole to keep us waiting until March or April. That's, that's the scenario that worries me. Well, let's not forget, I think the other scenario to, to think through is Grayscale. If Grayscale does get the conversion approval, that's, you know, a significant amount of, of Bitcoin AUM. And if that's suddenly, you know, freed up and can be created and redeemed, are we going to see a lot of redemptions from people who've been holding the product for some time? Um, and especially if people start switching for, for lower fee products or, you know, I think Grayscale has maybe suffered some reputational damage in, in the most recent year here. So I think there are a lot of open questions around the grayscale conversion as well that aren't necessarily being discussed. And again, that's, you know, I think as of last count, 27, 28 billion of, of Bitcoin AUM there. Yeah, well, uh, JP Morgan wrote an article that said something like this, there's a $2.6 billion overhang or $2.7 billion overhang if the Grayscale ETF comes online, there's a risk that $2.7 billion of Bitcoin will be sold in the market. Alex, what do you think about that scenario, the Grayscale scenario getting approved first? Uh, I don't see it happening, to be honest. Um, I, I just don't. Um, I hope you're right. It's, 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 it's I mean, I, yeah, I hope I'm right too. I think everybody <laughs> hopes. I mean, that actually, that's the other thing is, uh, not everybody hopes that because uh, a large chunk of the market is not positioned, right? Uh, and uh, we can see it on price. I mean, unfortunately, uh, the market uh, crypto crypto holders are too heavy on ETH. So, uh, you know, it could happen that basically this thing continues and, and, and it's just a lot of people that still need to get deployed that are not deployed yet. So 
uh, I would say actually max pain is uh, it's higher, not lower. Okay, sure. Okay, I, mean, I hope you're right. We all hope you're right. Um, let's let's move on to the the broader market. So everyone was talking about a recession. Everyone was talking about markets struggling. I don't know. I look at I look at the at the charts. Markets are three and four percent away from all time highs. The inflation numbers are coming down. The GDP is roaring. Feels to me like yep. like, like there's there's more of a chance of a blow off top than a recession at the moment. I 100% agree. In fact, uh, I can say that I humbly call this uh, all year long, um, and uh, put put a lot of research on it as well with with my uh, research firm. Um, uh, the way to think about it, I think, is uh, that recession. What 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 happened? This recession was it was the single most predicted recession in history. So when something is so widely predicted, what happens is economic actors what they do is they spread. They, they front run the recession and they they downsize their economic activity. They stop, they, they downside hiring. And uh, what that does is spreads the pain through time. So a way to think about it is actually the world and the US in particular went through a series of mini recessions in different industries throughout the last year and a half. So that's why we haven't had this massive recession that everybody's waiting for. Uh, we may see it next year. I seriously doubt it. Uh, I think uh, South landing is way more likely and uh, and uh, a recession would be small. Do you think that this is the scenario that we're looking at? I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. I mean, that that's a, that's a scenario that I saw today. Dixie coming straight back down, gold going up, Bitcoin going up, S&P going up, NASDAQ going up. It looked, I mean, this is a scenario that seems to be playing out. I think you called you called this earlier this year, Alex. Um, uh, a few other guests that have come on the show have called this scenario earlier this year. Do you still do you think we're still on track for this kind of scenario? Uh, yep, I think it's continuation. It's uh, because consensus still seems to be uh, that uh, we will see pain next year. Uh, so I think the the way to play it is actually. Uh, it's the same as this year. It's a replay of of twenty three, just on on much smaller scale. But I think we're gonna see a replay of twenty twenty three. Meltem, any views on the macro? Any any views on on the stock markets and the, the melt up that we seem to be having? No, I mean I I agree with everything Alex has said. I think the other factor to add in, and this has been my thesis for the last three years, if we look at the sectors that I think are positioned really well going into really the next decade in my view it's computation so compute uh energy right and we've seen energy stocks really outperforming it'll be interesting to see what happens with nuclear there's been a lot of interest sort of around uranium uh companies in the nuclear space oaklo notably which is a startup backed by sam altman's going public via SPAC early 2024 they make small modular reactors but compute um, energy. And then the last theme that I think is just absolutely well positioned here is crypto, right? Because if you have um, AI, if you have more generalized compute that's available on demand, if you have power that's more distributed, plus all of these disparate sources of power coming online, and you have these agents, potentially these AI agents that are helping direct that flow or playing different administrative functions in those flows, you need a digitally native currency that settles with finality, boom, that's crypto. So I'm extremely bullish on those three themes in particular. If we look at where outperformance has come from, it's been from those sectors. So if there's any advice I would give, right, it's continuing to look at those sectors. The future really is about energy, compute, and cryptocurrency in my view. Amazing. Well, that, that takes me into the next thing, which is the narratives for this next bull market. So we are very early in the bull market. Everyone's looking at different narratives in the bull market. We're seeing some narratives emerge. Um, let's talk about the narratives. And I want to start off with one with a, a narrative that may or may not be playing out, and that is ETH versus Sol. So we've had a, an e, we've had a Sol pump versus ETH. Sol was the most hated, redheaded stepchild that we had in, in, in the bear market. Everyone said it wasn't going to make it. Everyone said that Sam Bankman, it was the Sam Bankman free chain. But I don't know. I look at the chart and here it is. I'll quickly just call it up, uh, call it up so everyone can look at the same chart. So we, we're all aligned. That's what I see when I look at the, the Sol ETH chart. Sol seems to be having its moment in the sun. I'm very keen because you guys have both been around for multiple cycles. What do you think? Is this just a case of Sol being the hottest, shiniest item today? Or is this the migration of or the the coming of age of Sol and Sol becoming one of the top three crypto assets and actually cementing its place with 
uh, under Ethereum. And yeah, once you answer that, I've got a, f- a couple of questions about Ethereum as, as a thesis. I don't know who wants to go first. Ladies Melton. first. Melton, go for it. I, I think... I, I can give my quick uh, read on this. Look, I think in my view more broadly, as we look at layer ones, right? In my view, and this is maybe becoming a consensus view over the last year, we're not going to have thousands of L1s, hundreds of L1s, right? That have persistent demand for block space. And again, if I think about my perspective on crypto through this lens of energy compute, crypto through this lens of like the fundamental laws of physics, if there's no demand for block space, if there's not people willing to pay for block space, and if block space has to be subsidized through venture capital funding, you don't have sustainable protocol, right? So the issue is there's not persistent demand for block space on most L1s. If there is demand, it's typically very heavily subsidized by venture capitalists or risk-seeking capital. In my view, as we go forward, we'll probably see four or five dominant L1s. I think certainly Bitcoin has a very unique place in the pantheon of cryptocurrencies. Ethereum as well. Say what you will about Ethereum. I continue to be optimistic about Ethereum. And I think it has a lot of momentum behind it just in terms of innovation and being the birthplace of a lot of innovation in, in crypto that continues to make Ethereum very important. Solana, I think, has cemented its place or starting to cement its place in that small group of L1s that are really going to be ones that have persistent demand for block space. And then we'll see if a a handful of others emerge. I know we've got a lot of players uh, vying for for those last few slots, but I don't think we're going to see persistent demand for block space across all of these many L1s. And so I think in the coming years, as the crypto ecosystem becomes more formalized, we're going to see aggregation of liquidity, right? And it, it really is about liquidity and where liquidity is so, aggregating um so we're going to see more of that in a few dominant chains so let me tell you the way that i, I see do. it um i love eth i mean i've been on the journey with eth since day one um i've been through all the trials and tribulations and i've watched them learn and i've watched them grow but i you i also use eth every day and it's a shit experience it's expensive it's slow Yes, they have these layer twos, which are very fast. But every time I do that, I have to bridge money to layer two. I bridge it to, to, to Arbitrum, eventually, or, or Matic, and eventually it gets there. And then I have to bridge it back. And my apps on Matic don't talk to my apps on Arbitrum, which don't talk to my apps on ZK Sync, which don't talk to my... And I'm completely lost in this web. And it's expensive. And then I... It's a as, shit show. It's a shit show. <laughs> but, then, but, then, but then I go and use Solana. I go and use Solana. It's simple. It's all on the same chain. Every single one of my apps talks to every single other one of my apps. There's one wallet and there's one experience. It's super fast and it's, it's super cheap. And then I say to myself, why is anyone still using ETH? And I just can't, fundamentally, I just can't answer that. Like I just, and I'm not, I have nothing against ETH. And at the beginning of this bull run, my ETH bags and my Solana bags were exactly the same size. Now my Solana bags are much bigger, but I just, fundamentally, I don't. But, but- Oh, but Ren, let's be fair. Hold on. I think you're being a bit biased here. And I'm a huge fan of Solana. I think it has very bright future, a lot of allocation to Solana and the Solana ecosystem. But let's be honest here. Solana also has its own issues, right? The network has issues with with downtime, right? It hasn't been done for 11 months. Since they they solved the local fee markets, the local fee markets, it hasn't been done. So there was a problem. It was fixed. Solana also has... I mean, it's still in the early stages, right? Like the Solana ecosystem is very incomplete. I still have yet to find a good block explorer for Solana, right? Like, I'm I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying maybe you're being overly yes, kind enthusiastic, Solana, correct. overly pessimistic on Eve. Yes. So I think let's be balanced. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in the Solana ecosystem as an investor. There's a lot of infrastructure to invest in that I'm excited about. There's a ton of really cool new protocols launching. Eclipse is one I'm excited about. It's bridging Solana to EVM, Ethereum EVM. It's like there's a lot of cool stuff happening that I think will bring more liquidity, more usability to Solana. But by no means do I think the ecosystem around Solana is as mature as Ethereum, which makes sense, right? Because it's four years younger. But let's just be a bit balanced. I want to be balanced here. Okay, Alex, what do you think? ETH, ETH versus SOL. Walk me through it. Uh, the, the first thing I'd like to say is that this, uh, I mean, Solana is not the hottest coin in the market, right? There is this, uh, similar coins out there. You have Caspa, you have a, a BitTensor. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not looking Celestia. at the coin. I'm not looking at the uh, coin as much as I'm looking I'm, at the tick. Yeah. Yeah, but just saying there's alternative. It's not that Solana is the hottest. There's quite a few other ones that have actually been, been hotter. 
yes. uh, to be fair. Now, now on, on ETH versus Solana, I, I think that is an unfair comparison. One is the mature asset with a very high, very high market cap um, that uh, it shouldn't be compared to Solana, which is up and coming. It's more ETH, is more uh, is in the in the Bitcoin uh, category. ETH competes with Bitcoin more than than Solana, uh, or Solana competes with ETH. That's more. I think is more of a manufactured narrative, very smartly manufactured narrative, because it helps price. Uh, that being said, I agree the Solana experience is way superior and will always be way superior. Uh, that being said, uh, there is demand for both, there is pay for both. Uh, ETH will always be more decentralized. And uh, finally, on, on the experience, on one hand, on, on the on the Sol Explorer, it will never be good because it's not just a matter of the, of the, of the app, it's just the architecture. If you start digging, into the uh, Solana Explorer is just really difficult to track things. ETH is simple. Yes, I agree. I, I agree. Uh, ETH yeah, scan, scan just makes it yeah. so simple. It really does. All right, yeah. let's, let's talk I about... I mean, Solana, I click buttons. I have no idea what I did. I'm trying <laughs> to untangle what's happening. Is like a I agree. I agree. Something. I agree. I agree. Let's move into other narratives that we think are going to be hot in, in, uh, in this coming bull market. Uh, I know that you both tweeted something similar um i want to see if i can get all of us on a tweet there we go so uh you both said real world assets but uh i think alex you've been quite bullish about real world assets um uh, Malatim, you've been quite bullish about real world assets tell me why and tell me what i don't find actually real world assets that sexy from an investing perspective for a for a crypto person because you're tying your investment to the actual real yield driven by, by the real assets. So we do real world assets if we want to have a real world asset yields, which are technically, but not surely, technically, they're low. Surely the play is to invest in the infrastructure that allows for real world assets to be migrated. I mean, if I want to, to, to invest directly into real world no. assets, then let me just go invest in gold and bonds and stuff like that, right? Why, why do I need blockchain for that? Here's my criticism of that thesis, I think, and this is something I mentioned in sort of the subtweets under those five themes. I think for real world assets, if we look at what JP Morgan's done with tokenizing dollars and treasuries, if we look at what Apollo is doing, they're not using any crypto infrastructure. They're not using anything built sort of by, by companies that are trying to aid tokenization. I think if we look at institutions putting dollars on chain, if we look at institutions putting um, you know, other other types of um, investments, assets on chain, if we look at them putting funds on chain, they're building their own infrastructure. They're utilizing permission versions of existing public networks. They're not utilizing, you know, they're not spending a lot of money in gas fees. They're not burning a lot of, of ETH or solar, whatever it may be in gas fees. So I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding here where people assume, okay, real world assets, all this infrastructure is going to get used, number go up. I think institutions are going to build it internally because again, they need something that's very specifically built for their own purposes. The level of trust security they need is very high. So I think it's just a reiteration of like this 2017, 2018 DLT R3 narrative, if you guys remember R3, yes, the remember. big bank consortium, um, which isn't skepticism, right? Like the biggest use case for real world assets is Tether, USDC, and dollars on chain. And that, in my view, will continue to be the biggest use case when institutions start doing it. They're going to do it with their own infrastructure. So, so that's, if you, that's so, my perspective. It's unpopular. Is it an investable I narrative? I agree. Is it an investable narrative? Let's just go into it. So in this bull market, is there is it a, is real world assets an investable narrative? Uh, I think um, there's an exception there, which is uh, T bills. Uh, there is demand for uh, uh, tokenized T bills for from uh, uh, crypto treasuries. Um, so that that's the one exception to what Melton was saying. Aside of that, I, I fully agree. And, and on this, uh, a quick shout out to my friends at OpenEat, and this is exactly what they do. So, but but um, I mean, as a crypto investor, as a crypto investor, to be honest, you're not getting my heart rate racing with the real world investment narrative. I mean, investing in tokenized T bills just sounds that doesn't do anything to my heart rate. And you know, like for me, crypto is about getting my heart rate up. That's the like that's why I'm in this industry because I want my heart rate to go up. So. Maybe let's pivot into but I, narratives that will get but wait, my heart rate. I will say rate one up. thing about 
Okay, but I will say thing, one thing about real world assets, right? More dollars on chain, more assets on chain is over time, the question is, does the world of, of crypto and the world of real, or at real world assets pardon, start to converge, right? If they're built on the same underlying infrastructure, if they're built on the same protocols, at some point, do these things start to interact? Then it gets sexy and interesting. So in my view, real world assets is sort of a precursor pre predecessor to a lot of institutional liquidity potentially on public chains. Is that gonna happen tomorrow, five years from now? Probably not. But I think to, for me, that's a precursor for this idea of trade anything, anywhere with anyone in real time, clear margin how you want, settle how you want, which is just like the overall thesis for what I think we're, we're trying to do. Just hold on a so second. So if those two connect, hugely exciting. Just hold on a yeah, second. Before switching run, yeah. Go, go, go ahead. I'll take my pulse I was going to was, was say, <laughs> Uh, I just started building, a, uh, it's a project for investing in real estate in Argentina, uh, tokenized. So it's real world assets, but uh, it's a different audience. So it's not the kind of thing that actually gets your heart racing. It's the kind yeah. of thing you do for different kind of reasons. It's not about, uh, you. The, you know, you look at punk and you, you, you go, yeah, you get excited, right? Just look at that thing going up. Alex, so look, Ram wants yeah. number go up. We got to get I want, I want, I want, yeah. listen, guys, 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 look, we're here. There's 5,000 other people here in the chat and they all want heart rate go up. I mean, that's just what, that's why we're here. And when you talk about tokenized right, T-bills and, token, and tokenized real estate, I don't hear number go up. My heart rate is very, no, no, no. all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Decentralized physical infrastructure networks, deep in $10 billion market today. In my view, whoa, so, whoa, whoa, market, whoa, whoa, whoa. say that slowly because I don't have an MIT uh, engineering degree. Decentralized. Yet. I, I haven't filled my, De my I, I'm not filled in my position on that. Please don't. don't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, tell Alex, me. so shut up. Okay. I'm not, my bags are not packed. Okay. Deepin, decentralized physical infrastructure networks. If you go to the website, deepinninja.com. Uh, which is a great website built by this investment firm, EV3, who focuses on investing in this sector. Basically, it's my thesis. Energy, compute, crypto, throw them all together. What if we built the underlying infrastructure for distributed energy and compute networks using crypto primitives, Deep and Ninja, there it is. Poke around. My favorites in this space, um, Althea, Render. There's a ton here you can explore. Uh, okay, okay. wow. Okay, hold on. Tons so, so Filecoin. But like... So it's yep. Filecoin, Render, Arweave, Akash, uh, all these, 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 these physical, these, these distri distributed computers, basically. This is what it is. D distributed computing Not infrastructure. Not just distributed computers. Um, there's a tab on there where you can see the different sectors. There's distributed sensors and IoT infrastructure. That's Helium, Demo, others. Hive Mapper, I think, is included in that. And then there's a new sector emerging. I've made a few like stealth stage bets on companies in that energy space that are doing some really cool stuff where they're using like the settlement finality of, of crypto that's so fantastic and applying it to uh, some of the challenges and sort of the settlement working capital cycle in the energy space. Um, but Deepin, I think, a really exciting sector very young and immature sector as well. I think some of these categorizations I, I'm not fully in agreement with, but a lot to unpack here. And I think anywhere you have CapEx intersecting with crypto, like things can get very spicy. Very I quickly. see. I mean, look, I, I am, I big, mean, full, big sector, dis in my view. full disclosure, I'm actually holding a lot of the projects I mentioned. I mean, I'm a, I'm a holder of Chainlink. I'm a holder of Filecoin. I'm a holder of Bitenza. I'm a holder of Quant. I'm a holder of the, of the Graph. I'm a holder of Render. I'm short IOTA. Um, I'm a holder of Arweave, so I mean I am pretty pretty invested here. Alex, um, which bag did you say wasn't packed yet? Was it BitTensor? Uh, DPIN, the, the whole DP, that pin or DPIN, how, how you want to pronounce the uh, category. Uh, I started uh, uh, getting very active last night, uh, so it's very early. Oh, okay. No and what? And when when yeah. you say you started to get very active last night, maybe just tell us. Yeah, what... I, 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 I know I started. I started feeling, you know, uh, getting long. And and, and um, specifically in deep in which narratives? And now my heart is actually really going up. I'm enjoying this. My the, the beats are going much faster. It's everyone here is going much faster. So tell me, like, when you looked at this it, and you started. No, no, no. It's just like seriously. I'm not. Uh, I'm. You know. I'm trying to get get. There are very liquid things on on a few chains out there. They're very liquid, so 
number you know a number goes up very fast uh, uh, if you just tweet about it. Okay, so um, tell me, like, for example, have you done a look at BitTenzo? And I'm, I'll be honest, I actually hold a whole lot of BitTenzo. I've been holding it since like eighty bucks or hundred bucks. Um, it seems like a very, very, very novel concept. This distributed AI um, with this Bitcoin type uh, uh, mechanism with these subchains. Have you looked at that protocol? Have you looked at how that protocol works? I have the uh, white paper open on my computer for the last uh, six days. And what do you think? Uh, have it. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I need to be longer. Um, that's what I think. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any other white? But, but I think. Go, go, Melta. I think one thing. Sorry, on the deep end side, also there's also a decoupling, right? Like you guys are reading white papers or whatever is you doing. I'm not doing that. I'm looking at narrative, right? Narrative drives price in crypto and price drives narrative. So there's this interesting recursive pattern. A lot of the deep end projects, like I wouldn't say they've necessarily delivered anything or that there's any real non-speculative utilization of the token. So I think we sort of need to differentiate. And I think in this cycle, there'll be a lot of projects that reach insane, insane market caps like I don't know, some others that I won't name did in the last cycle that delivered very little actual utility, but had insane speculative appreciation. I think we'll see the same thing here. So I'm focusing more on who has the ability to manufacture good narratives, because um, I think deepens very early. I think it's going to be another five to 10 years before this sector really gets like well-developed, well-defined. We start to see, again, persistent demand for block space on these networks, persistent utilization of resources on these networks. So don't forget to pay attention to what teams are good at building and crafting narratives and think about how price drives narrative. And mm. I think that Tensor's done a great job there. What an amazing, amazing analysis. Uh, Alex, what, what, what else are you looking at in this category? Uh, Dex trading platforms. Uh, basically, and 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 better, uh, better uh, products for uh, trading perpetuals on DeFi, uh, decentralized. Okay. Uh, anything that is decentralized, both on the spot side, on the perp side, on the derivative side, is gonna get huge. I think, and there's okay, a so lot of compet competitors there. There's gonna be a few winners. Let's talk about that because that's a narrative that I'm really interested in. We see the SEC there. Well, the DOJ came after CZ. They effectively cut off his arms and legs, and they, they he, he's 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 not operational. I think we lost a very good soldier there. Uh, we know that they're going after a lot of the other exchanges. Does that mean that ever that all this perpetuals trading migrates onto on-chain? Does that does that mean that we should start looking at the on-chain perpetuals exchanges, the DYDX, the GMX, the GNS, the Vertex, the RabbitX, the Drifts, all these uh, uh, um, exchanges? Is that is that where you think that we go from here? Because I don't think people are just going to stop trading derivatives. Yeah, it's it's already been happening, right? It started with FTX, so it's not it's not the early in the move, but uh, it's just going to get bigger, I think, both in absolute terms and relative terms. They're going to take on space, and if you actually start using these tools, you realize that as of right now, they are very they're not great. They're not good, actually. Most of them suck. Sorry for my French, but you know, like you you take the YDX, and they have barely any pairs. Uh, and that's where the liquidity is. And then you go to other things and you go to the ones that are like uh, GMX, which is different architecture. And they have, uh, they're good for what I call uh, leverage monkeys, like very short term, extremely high uh, funding rates. Uh, and then you have up and coming ones like uh, Intentex that basically offer a completely different architecture uh, for uh, basically uh, doing perps uh, using uh, uh, requests for quotes, um, uh, allowing for massive like the, this new things up and coming that are going to disrupt the space that needs disrupting dydx has to be disrupted and right now they're dominate the market by a very large margin mm. so in in that narrative what what are your favorite protocols your favorite tokens in that narrative like so you're saying dydx is not your favorite i agree it's probably a little bit overvalued for the tech that it has uh, i think the tech's also you know they have spent a lot of time migrating onto cosmos and whatever else um what what are your favorite plays in that narrative? Like I'll give I'll give you one of mine. Um, is Drift? I've been using Drift. Drift is the one that's built on Solana. It's fast. It's fast as hell. It's cheap as hell. 
Um, it doesn't have a lot of liquidity. I'll be honest. Like there's not tons and tons and tons of liquidity here, but, but, but it is an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. Um, it's the closest experience that I've found to trading on a, on a centralized derivatives platform. That's, this is the closest that, that I've found. But keen to hear your views. What are your favorite um, protocols, tokens in this, in this narrative? On, on Sol, I like Drift. Uh, I'm, I'm using Drift on on uh, on the non on the EVM side. I just invested in Intentex, so uh, okay. and I find it ext- extremely good product. Uh, uh, like I I highly recommend people to actually go and pick up the documentation and read about it because it's it's good. It's something different. Okay. Any other ones that you're looking at? Um, it's it's a lot. There's not one that is uh, like. Not, not any other one that actually had, like ha, is at a different level. Um, like all the other ones are like they're all the same, right? That's the thing. So it's I think it's most a matter of uh, one of these guys. It's a lot of them. Uh, Messiah just put a really good report on this, by the way, very complete uh, on uh, on all the alternatives in the market. So they most fall in in, in very well defined buckets that do the same thing. So it's going to be mostly a matter of a team that that is that manages to get market share uh, via traditional marketing uh, and, uh, and and then implement good products. Like it's, it's not just about the, 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 the architecture, but also about the UX, about making it similar to trading on traditional um, markets um, software, which by the way, in crypto doesn't yet exist. Uh, like yeah. FTX was uh, the closest, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Meltem, your thoughts around this narrative, uh, DEXs, derivatives exchanges, your thoughts, your, 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 yeah. most, your most promising to- project slash tokens? Uh, the Sonata sector, I've been spending a lot of time on, um, at least not in this way. I think um, the one thing that is really exciting and I know is the incentive for a lot of people um, you know, holding these tokens is once these platforms start paying out um, rev share, like that's pretty novel. And that's something we're seeing not just in the DEX kind of perp space, but also on a variety of other platforms. This is what helped Blur and Looks Rare and a bunch of other NFT marketplaces steal so much volume from OpenSea. Um, This idea, you know, that people who hold the token participating governance trade on the platform receive pro rata share of revenues is is pretty interesting. And I know a lot of people are holding or accumulating positions in these tokens because they want to participate in the rev share on this side, you know, thesis Mm. that Alex articulated where more and more people are going to be utilizing these platforms, particularly as there is more scrutiny on centralized exchanges, particularly, you know, in jurisdictions where I think regulators have been particularly challenging to work with. So So, um, just from an allocation perspective, I do know a lot of people are accumulating stuff like DYDX, GMX, because they believe they can earn a lot of, of protocol yield. All right, let's go into you another know, narrative. The, can, okay. can, can I add quickly something uh, on the rep share side? It's, it is a project uh, I just uh, helped launch. Uh, I'm, I'm their advisor. It's called TokenSide. Uh, it's basically, uh, it has 75% the rep share with token holders. And uh, what uh, it will do is basically dominate this pot uh, the spot side of the market, uh, not perps, but spot, uh, offering a, um, a fully fledged portfolio management software, basically. Okay, f- fair point. Uh, how do you spell it? Token site. Token side. Token site. Token site. Okay, amazing. Uh, next narrative. Okay, so we have uh, we have we've gone through. Um, I think we said Deepin was one of them. Then we had the the Dexes. Let's talk about another narrative that you guys are looking at for the bull market. Well, AI is a simple one. The thing is finding the good assets that are not just a narrative. For now, it's it's mostly, as far as I know, it's BitTensor and uh, Render. And to be honest, Render is there's no real demand for Render. It's a narrative. Yeah, we can trade the narrative. I happily trade it, but uh, as far as I know, there's no real demand, right? So, uh, okay. still looking for the actual very good products out there that I think they will come up. Melton, what do you think of AI and crypto? Do AI and crypto actually mix? Um, well, I think a lot of the AI crypto narrative falls actually under DPIN because what we're talking yes. about is distributed or decentralized compute. 
So I think we sort of have to differentiate. I do think one really exciting area is um, agent to agent or agent to machine payments, right? So again, if we think of crypto as the currency of the internet uh, and the fact that crypto has this beautiful feature, well, it's Bitcoin really has this phenomenal feature that's settlement with finality, right? And with these guarantees that are backed by, by physics, um, which make it really challenging to manipulate the Bitcoin network, right? I think that's what makes Bitcoin so unique in my view. Um, there's some really cool um, experiments that have been happening lately with using Lightning for agent-to-agent -agent payments, which I think is, is really cool to see. So one thing I'm really excited about is not crypto specifically for AI. I think, again, there's deep in narratives that are tied to the growth of distributed compute and just broader compute availability driven by the demand from AI, one. And then two, I think um, crypto is sort of the underlying financial plumbing for this agent to agent economy that will emerge as we have more and more agents that we utilize for administrative tasks, managing different aspects of our lives, managing, I don't know, the devices in our home, whatever whatever it may be. I don't I don't know, you know, sky's, sky's the limit in terms of imagination. So I think it's less about AI, uh, crypto protocols, et cetera, specifically designed for AI. I think it's more about existing infrastructure that can be utilized as an enabling technology for AI. That being said, um, my friend Niraj Pant used to be at Polychain. He just raised a ton of money for new AI-focused protocol. Um, there's, you know, a, a couple of protocols I think are trying to build narratives around like crypto X AI. I would just question, you know, outside of data availability, compute availability, and agent-to-agent -agent payments. Um, and then the other ones like authentication, but that I don't really see how, how that's a profitable narrative aside from like helping someone build an enterprise SaaS company. Um, I'm not really seeing it. So it doesn't get me super excited. I think in terms of narrative, people are definitely using it to, to play into a certain narrative. But for me, it's... As Alex says, you can trade the narrative, but you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to play in the narrative. Um, next narrative. Okay, so we got AI, we got AI, we got DEXs, we've got Deepin. Um, what else? What else are you looking at in this, in this? Uh, ZK, 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 all the things, MPC, all the things. I think... Um, ZK because ZK we need technology. ZK because of anonymity. ZK, like, tell me why you're so bullish about ZK. Tell me what what it is, and, and maybe tell me what you're bullish about. Are you bullish about ZK Sync? Are you bullish about you know what is it? Okay, so I don't think it's anonymity, uh, anonymity or privacy uh, necessarily. It's really about um, tr trust, right, and and being able to to verify in a trust minimized manner right that's what i think zk's enable again zk is another one of these narratives that i think is super super early um a great firm to follow is geometry they're an investment firm focused purely on investing backing the best zk deals um i just invested in a great chip company in ganyama that's basically trying to design ZK specific processors, but they're starting with the programming language first. So just like NVIDIA sort of gained market dominance in the GPU space by developing CUDA, which is sort of the programming language for GPUs, um, they're trying to do the same thing by creating a language for program programming ZKs. They're working with a lot of the, the top ZK protocols. Yeah. So I don't know if this is the right Yeah, it doesn't look like the right one. That's why I took but, it down. Um, yeah, that's why I took it down. Yeah. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of great narratives here. There are, uh, you know, you have Starkware, um, you have Aztec, you have ZK Sync, you have um, a, a bunch of different protocols emerging. I think ZK also starts to bleed into, again, this, this computation narrative, because ZK processing requires totally different layout of your data center, requires specialized hardware, because um, you're doing a lot of parallelization. So Again, for me, the things I get excited about, energy, compute, crypto, yes. like so it's, you know, you've, ma here. you've made it so simple with this energy, compute, crypto, like if it doesn't fall into one of the, if it falls into one of those buckets, look into it further. If it doesn't, probably not worth looking at it. Alex, what do you think about ZK? I don't have, I think it's, it's a valuable, I, I don't have any, 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 any place there uh, in mind. Uh, it's a valuable technology should be yeah. implemented in, in most things, but unfortunately, yeah, we were, no, no alpha from me here. We're actually investors. I think I think we're investors in ZK Sync and a whole lot of, of, of derivatives exchanges and stuff like that. Um, Alex, one more narrative from you, sir, before I let you go. Oh, simply meme coins. Meme, meme coins, coins are going to be huge. And, yeah. and, 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 they, they, as you said, meme coins, Meltem's heart. Well. You see, 
you know. As you said, meme coins, Meltem's heart went doof, doof. <laughs> so you're just bullish on meme coins, Bonk, uh, Miro, which is by the way Roger's dog. Um, then there's Grok, which is Elon's uh, very AI. fluffy yeah. dog, very fluffy yeah. dog. No names for me, but uh, because most of them are very liquid. Uh, Bonk, I can I can name it because now it's it's become a behemoth. Uh, so uh, it's very impressive what the Bonk guys have done. It's like if you go to to Solana, you see Bonk everywhere. It's in your face. It's absolutely I must brilliant. You, I must tell you. Um, I, yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to say it, but my whole office is now again obsessed with meme coins. I walked in here the other day, and I mean, it's, I'm going to show it because it's public, and we've we've told people on the show. But they went into a coin, and it's like it's Fufu. I'm like, why are you guys in Fufu? Who's in Fufu? No, no, the whole office is in a Chinese <laughs> meme coin called Fufu. I mean, like. We're about to enter the biggest bull run ever. And you guys are investing in Chinese look, meme coins. But Ron, everyone loves memes. Memes are the universal language. Um, I think actually a sort of adjacent narrative to meme coins, which like we've meme coins every cycle. It's different meme coins every cycle. They're very ephemeral as well, right? So the cycle time on these things can be like quick. 12 hours, sometimes quick. less. Quick. So, uh, you know, I think very high risk. I certainly would not advocate for like these these meme coin plays unless you have some knowledge or, you know, the team or, you know, you have confidence that it isn't just an exit scam, which a lot of these, like no offense, that they are. Um, I will say one of the things that is exciting is to me is like Web3 social tech, which has aspects of it that are similar to meme coins in the sense they're really driven by these very ephemeral narratives. So we saw it with friend tech. Um, then we saw was it called New Bitcoin City, which was the lightning equivalent of friend tech. Now we have it with um, the Chia, the on-chain Chia pet thing, uh, friend pets or whatever it's called. I'm talking to a project that's trying to do something like Web3 social related with memes. So, um, so mix meme memes and mix us. meme and social. social. Yeah, me, mix yeah, meme and social. Yeah, basically, you tech. take your social graph, right? Yes. Like, we're trying to monetize Twitter. X is paying out, X, whatever you call it, X is paying out creator rewards, but like supercharge it, put it on crack by putting it on crypto rails. Right. <laughs> what if yep. you allowed people to monetize their social graph with these very ephemeral meme coins through all this Web3 social tech? A lot of that's what we're seeing now. Um, I think it's a super powerful narrative. And I think I mentioned it in that in that list of narratives. We're going to see a lot of that in this cycle. Listen, guys, I love you guys madly, but it's time for us to go. It's been like a, I, I, I'm glad my heart rate went up towards the end of the show because in the beginning, my heart rate was like a little bit slow. And now at the end of the show, I'm feeling pumped. I feel like I'm going to go buy some fufu or whatever, whatever the whole office has bought here. Uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Send you guys much love. Really appreciate you guys coming here. It's been an amazing alpha full show as usual. Uh, and nice to see you guys. Thanks very much for joining us. And thank you, guys. The, thank, thank you very you much. Guys. And to the fam, I... I will see you guys again on Monday or if on the weekend if something happens. Until then, trade well, my friends.